Hello and welcome to the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast for the week of January 16th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Bayaki, ready to dig into all things sectors for the week ahead and look back at the week that was. And last week was a week in which we saw a continuation of an early trend here in 2023, specifically the growth-oriented or cyclical sectors of the market generating strong performance, pushing the market higher, while the more defensively-oriented or, in some cases, value-oriented sectors of the market lagging on a relative basis, largely driven by what feels like a change in the narrative. Remember, in 2022, Everyone was focused on inflation. Everyone was focused on a very hawkish Fed. And so far in 2023, it hasn't necessarily been the opposite, but it certainly has been a marked change in tone. In fact, last week, as we talked about on the podcast the prior week, we got a CPI reading, and that CPI reading was right in line with market expectations, but it showed a continuation of a recent pattern of decelerating inflation. We saw negative 0.1% month-over-month inflation. We saw a 6.5% year-over-year number on a headline basis, and then a 5.7% year-over-year number on a core basis, all of which, relative to where we were last year, show that inflation is at the very least begun to plateau, or at least in the near term, has been slowing. And The knock-on effect of that is that the market is trying to read the Fed tea leaves and perhaps anticipating that the next Fed meeting might not bring a 50 basis point or 75 basis point increase in the federal funds rate. It might bring a 25 basis point increase. Despite what the Fed has talked about, remaining vigilant, being aggressive, economic impacts be darned, the reality is, is that With CPI trending in this direction, the market seems to feel much more comfortable taking risk, being in the growth-oriented sectors, which historically have been punished by rising interest rates. Because remember, increasing interest rates means the cost of capital increases. Said another way, the discount rate for cash flows in a free cash flow model increases, which makes cash flows that are further out into the future worth less. And growth-oriented companies typically have cash flows that are further out into the future, and the value of the cash flows further out in the future tend to be more valuable than the cash flows in the near term. We did at the end of the week hear from some very big banks, including JP Morgan and Wells Fargo. And although we had sort of mixed results from those banks, we did hear from a number of them that they were increasing their credit provisions. They were increasing loan loss provisions. And that's not the type of behavior from banking institutions that expect consumers to remain strong. In fact, it speaks to the bank's concerns about the health of the consumer going forward. And if you're increasing credit provisions, if you're increasing loan loss provisions, you're potentially anticipating defaults, either at the credit level or on your loan book. And a look behind the curtains of these big banks tells us that these companies are a little bit leery of their loan books, of their credit books. And that's reflective of a banking institution and a banking industry that is at the very least 
not necessarily as bullish as the market has been. Now, of course, the market and big banks and what they see behind the scenes don't always align. And the market is very much a forward discounting mechanism. And so when you add it all up, we had a very strong week in the market, S&P 500 up 2.67%, which means year to date, it's up 4.16%. We didn't really see the market in the green at all in 2022. So again, a significant change from where we were just last year. From a data perspective, beyond CPI, we had better than expected consumer sentiment, but we did have relatively high one- and five-year inflation expectations from consumers. So on the one hand, we've seen an uptick in consumer sentiment. On the other hand, consumers are expecting stubbornly high inflation, at least based on the surveys, and that would in theory mean that this softness that we're seeing in CPI data may or may not be durable. When you look within the market, Nine of the 11 gig sectors finished the week higher. The only two sectors that were down were XLV or healthcare down 16 basis points and Staples down 137 basis points or 1.37%. And it's interesting because those are two of the sectors that were the strong relative performers in 2022, along with XLU or utilities, which was up just 46 basis points this week. So the flip side of that is that consumer discretionary was up 5.78% for the week, the best performing sector in the market, XLK or technology up 4.62%, and then XLC up 3.87%. We talk about those three sectors quite a bit. They're meaningful in terms of their weighting in the S&P 500. They're meaningful in terms of their influence on the performance of the market. And when you get that type of significant outperformance from those sectors, it's no surprise that the S&P 500 had such a strong week. We saw about 656 million shares traded across the select sector spider lineup. So not a very robust week in terms of overall activity and volume in the market, but certainly a very strong week for the sectors of the market that matter most in terms of their weighting and in terms of their influence in the market. We did see another week of pretty robust creation redemption activity this week, specifically net creations, 9 million, and net created shares in XLF, 5 million in XLI, 6 million in XLC, and finally 4 million in XLB or material. So some pretty robust creation activity across the lineup. In fact, eight of the 11 sectors saw net creations with 5 million out of technology or XLK, two and a half million shares redeemed out of XLV and XLU. So that's not necessarily reflective of positioning, but we did see relative underperformance from defensive sectors. We saw redemption activity in two of those defensive sectors, all of which are in contrast to the tone of the market in 2022. And so far in 2023, the calls that we've seen for remaining defensive for sticking to value-oriented segments of the marketplace have not worked on a relative basis. It's been the growth-oriented segments of the market. It's been the riskiest segments of the market that have outperformed, and we'll see if that continues. Now, this week, we're going to focus on materials, XLB, as the sector in focus, partly because it is one of the best performing sectors year-to-date. It's up 7.9% so far in 2023, but also because it's a sector that doesn't get a tremendous amount of attention or a tremendous amount of love. In fact, it's a fairly small weighting in the S&P 500. It's not like energy that is a sector which garners a tremendous amount of media attention when energy prices are high and when the sector is working because ultimately the basic material sector 
is not a sector that a lot of investors focus on, despite the fact that when you think about commodity chemicals, you think about agricultural commodities, you think about some of the components of XLB, they're certainly very critical components to the global economy, and they're certainly really relevant to the global ec- macroeconomic and geopolitical backdrop, given that we've seen significant supply constraints for many of these commodities markets, specifically some of these basic materials markets, as a result of both the Russia-Ukraine conflict, but also because broadly we're seeing demand for many of the base metals, for many of the segments to the commodities market tied into the basic material sector, outstrip supply. And that's largely due to growth and demand coming from electric vehicles and other drivers from a macroeconomic perspective. But what's interesting about materials, and I talked about this a couple of times last year, is that historically it's a sector that's done well when the dollar is declining. And what we've seen from the DXY or the dollar index over the past six months is that it's down about five and a half percent over that period of time. XLB during that period is up about 16%. So when you think about the dollar and pricing commodities in dollars, which most commodities are priced in dollars, it makes sense that when the dollar is declining and the value of those various basic materials is increasing as a result of that declining dollar, that the basic material sector would come into focus. And the relative performance of XLB and materials in those falling dollar environments has been quite strong. The dollar index is down 2% year to date. As I mentioned, XLB is up nearly 8% year to date. And once again, it's not a sector that's on the tip of a lot of investors' tongue because if your market weight, the 11 gig sectors in the S&P 500, you typically don't have significant exposure to XLB. But coming into 2023 certainly seems to check some boxes on a relative valuation basis. It doesn't trade at extended multiples, certainly multiples that are below that of the market. When you look at trailing or forward PE, it's not a sector of the market that runs super hot or, or has run super hot recently. And so When you think about some of the popular trades coming into 2023, when you look at the wires, when you look at some of the research firms around Wall Street, falling dollar is one of them. XUS is another one, but also the value trade. And XLB is relevant to all of those. Historically done well in a falling dollar environment, certainly relevant to global markets in terms of the China reopening trade, the demand for raw materials from China, but also because these stocks traded PEs and other valuation metrics that are below that of the market, they tend to also align with the value trade. So something to think about as we get into the next week. This is a short week, of course, just four trading days, thanks to the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. I hope everyone has a wonderful long weekend, but we do have quite a bit of economic data coming up. We get retail sales, which will give us additional insight into the health of the consumer. We'll see PPI, which will give us a read on wholesale inflation and whether or not that level of inflation is mirroring what we're seeing at the consumer level. But then we'll also get textured housing data, home builders index, housing starts, building permits, and existing home sales, all of which will give us a real-time look as to the health of the housing market, which again was another key theme in 2022, given the rising borrowing costs for mortgages in this country and the impact that that has on housing. And then finally, on the earnings front, We're going to hear from Kinder Morgan, and I call them out because they are a bellwether in the energy infrastructure space, energy infrastructure, pipelines, storage and processing facilities for 
hydrocarbons in the United States. That segment of the market has been very strong alongside energy for two years running. And Kinder Morgan is certainly one of the leading companies in that space. And given the strong performance of that category, it will be interesting to see how well that company is doing, what their guidance is, both in terms of dividend increases, share buybacks, and the general outlook for earnings growth. We'll also hear from a number of banks, not just the big ones, Goldman and Morgan, as well as Charles Schwab. We'll also hear from some regional banks, which will give us further insight as to their gauge of the health of the consumer and whether or not we're going to continue to see growth in consumer lending, which, of course, is the lifeblood of financial revenue and earnings, but also whether or not these companies are going to continue to ratchet up the provisions for both loan and credit losses, which of course would signal concerns, as we mentioned before, around the health of the consumer. And then finally, we'll hear from Netflix, which is a company in a sector that struggled so mightily in 2022, worst performing sector in the market, but also a segment of the market that is very competitive. When you think about Netflix and all the competitors coming for their business, whether or not Netflix and the restructuring of their subscription schemes and whether or not that is bearing fruit in terms of earnings. It was one of the better performing stocks leading into 2021 and 2022 has been one of the worst performing stocks in the S&P 500 as of late. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone once again for tuning in. I'm Paul Bayaki, Chief ETF Strategist at SSNC Alps Advisors. Hope everyone has a wonderful week and I'll catch you next time. Take care.